0: well good evening welcome to everybody we're glad that you're here what's our new study on this revelation is it i tell you, that's good it's great to see a great crowd here i know we have a great crowd online and many of you have told us that you're going to be joining in uh, virtually tonight so i know we have a, a great crowd there and it's good to have all of you here uh, as we look at the book of revelation together so let's pray together ask god's blessings upon our time and pray the Holy Spirit will be our teacher all throughout the series, not just tonight, but as we begin this evening. Let's pray together. Father, thank you tonight for the opportunity to open up your word, a passage of a portion of your scripture that Lord is, is difficult so many times for us to understand. But I pray that over the course of these weeks, as we go through revelation, that you will be our teacher, you will be the one that opens up the word, speaks to our heart exactly what you want us to say, to, to know and to, and to hear. And so, Father, we thank you for Jesus. He is the main star of the book, and I just pray that as we go throughout these chapters that we will see Jesus in a greater and in a more significant way than we already have. God, thank you for everyone who's here live with us in person. Thank you for everyone who has joined us wherever they are, however they may be joining us online. Pray your blessings upon them as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, turn to Revelation chapter 1 and here we go. Buckle your seat belts and keep all hands and arms inside the ride at all times. That's for your safety. And our revelation journey is about to begin. And I mentioned good to see a lot of people here and interest the interest that you have in God's word and I will say that as we go through these weeks, Revelation has a lot to say to our day today. I think you're going to find it interesting. Some of the things that we look at that I'm going to call your attention to in the, in the weeks to come, I think you're going to find it interesting to what's going on in our day, in our culture, and how much of it relates. Uh, and so we're going to look at that. God is in control, and we're definitely going to see that. Uh, first of all, just a housekeeping announcement before we get started. My notes that I have tonight uh, they're going to be on the screens. If you're here live, you'll see them come up, the, different, the, out, the points of the outline, you'll see them come up and they'll be up there for 10 uh, seconds or so. Uh, if you're joining us online, they're going to be at the bottom of the screen as you're watching. Um, and so you can see those uh, on, online or on, these, or on the screens here. Or uh, if, if those go too fast for you or you want a copy to look at as we go through, couple of ways you can do that. If you have a your your phone with you or a device with you tonight, uh, you can go to our website, fbcgarland.org. If you go to Media, under Media, you'll see Notes, Wednesday Night Notes, and they're on there. Now, you can do that. Or if you have your phone and you downloaded the church app, uh, which I hope that all of our members have done that, if you'll download the church app and go to Media, and click under Notes, uh, you'll have, you can look at them on your device tonight uh, as well. So, don't have a handout for you, Uh, but you can get them in those two ways uh, tonight or look at them on the screen. Uh, Really another option too as you come in you may have noticed a QR code that you can scan on your phone and they'll pop up immediately from the QR code. If you see that scan as you come in several ways that you can get the notes uh, from that I'll be teaching from tonight. All right letter A on your outline let's look at the introduction first and I want to just kind of talk in general about the book of Revelation. Revelation is unlike any other book in the Bible. I don't have to tell you that. You know that. It is an odd book. Just be honest. Things in there that, that you don't understand, that do, do not make sense to us in the Western world are in English. And so whenever you step into Revelation, it's like you're stepping into a whole new world. It really is because, because it is a whole new world. Whenever you step into this world, you have a variety of images. You have visions, and you have beasts, and you have sea monsters, and you have demons, and you have altars that speak, and you have angels with legs that, that are on fire, and you have stars that fall from the sky and fall on the water and poison the waters. And you have locusts that are arrayed like horses ready for battle. And you have a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes. And you have a monster rising up out of the ocean that has ten horns and seven heads. And you're going, what on earth do all of these mean? And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Uh, and trying to understand over the course of the coming weeks, and I'm going to try my best to explain this to you so you'll understand what these mean and, and where, where the Bible's coming from, what it's telling us today. Now, since Revelation is so foreign to us, and since it's so hard to understand, a lot of Christians stay away from it. They just don't read it. And I've had a lot of, a lot of you say that. And that, that's nothing against you. I, I understand that. I, many, many times in my life in the past, it's like, it's just easier to stay away from. Because there's so much to understand. It's hard to understand. But a lot of people stay away from reading it. Stay away from studying it. Even stay away from studies like this. Because they're afraid of it or it's too foreign to them. In fact, the Anglican church... Um, which is the Church of England, and there are Anglican churches in, in America as well, they, they just don't talk about it. They never preach from Revelation publicly. They, they never read in their worship services any public reading that comes from Revelation. Uh, any of their private devotions that their members get, none of them are over Revelation. Anglican church just ignores it. Reformer Martin Luther and Ulrich Zwingli both did not think that Revelation belonged in the Bible. And they were trying to make cases it shouldn't even be in the Bible. Well, I disagree. I think there is a lot from Revelation that we can glean out of it. Not just about our times, but about the Lord, but also about maybe some some of when he's coming back. And what are some things that are going on in our world before that happens in the midst of it happening? So, just because Revelation is difficult to understand, it doesn't stop us from reading it, like the Anglican Anglican church, or certainly does not stop us from studying it. And so that's what we're going to be doing over the course of the weeks as we go through. Revelation gives us the most panoramic view of history that we have not just in the Bible but really in any document it gives us a beautiful picture of all of history it was written during a time when Christians were being persecuted I'm going to talk about that more in just a moment when Christians were being persecuted and this book was a source of strength and encouragement to hang on Roman Empire was coming against them. They were persecuting. They were beating. They were imprisoning. They were killing them. And God gave them a gift of revelation that encouraged them. Gave them strength and support. And they treasured it. So we should treasure it as well. Revelation lets us know God's in control. Sometimes in our world today, we look at our all that's going on around us and we wonder if God's in control or not we look at our news we, we we see what's what's happening in our culture and it does not look like God's in control well this one book will assure you and promise you and I we're going to talk about that in the weeks to come God is in control even when he doesn't look like it God has everything in order he knows what he's doing Times may be difficult, but he knows what he's doing. And he is leading us, folks, as believers to the new Jerusalem. Where one day he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And where one day he will be with us. He will be our God. We will be his people. And we will dwell with him forever. He's leading us. It's going to happen. And the road might be bumpy now. But God's got it under control. You're going to hear that over and over. But he does. Now, first of all, what does the word revelation mean? Well, in the the New Testament, of course, the New Testament was written in the Greek language. The word for revelation in Greek, chapter 1, verse 1, says the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation, you'll see it on your screen here. It's the Greek word apocalypsis. You've heard the word apocalypse, haven't you? That's that apocalypse is the New Testament Greek word for the word revelation in English. And so the apocalypse means to unveil something that has been hidden. It means to uncover what has been hidden already. So, if you are in my New Testament survey class at Dallas Baptist University, you'd already have an answer to one of the questions. What does the word revelation mean? It means to unveil or uncover. Now, if you say the word apocalypse in our culture, and you say, hey, what does the word apocalypse mean? Oh, that means ending. That means an explosion. That means the world's on fire. That means, no, no, no. It just means that something's been hidden and you uncover it. That's all it means. Apocalypse means you uncover something and so this book is an uncovering something that we don't know something we're not aware of it is uncovering for us what's it uncovering well it is uncovering an unseen spiritual conflict between God and Satan what it's uncovering showing us all the details behind what your eyes can't see it's unveiling for you what's actually going on the spiritual realm in our world right now so we're getting a glimpse of our world and of our culture through spiritual eyes by reading Revelation so as we pull back the layers of what's really going on what do we see well We're going to see a cosmic conflict between God and Satan. But it's not an even fight. God's already won. The game's over. We're just seeing a replay. And so what we're seeing here is not an equal war. Jesus the Lamb already has won the game for us. He has secured our salvation. If you believe and trust in Jesus, you're going to heaven and live with God. So we know that. So the, the lamb has already won the decisive victory on the cross. But in the meantime, we are continually to being assaulted by the dragon. Scripture calls the dragon It's Satan. It's kind of like whenever you chop off the head of a snake. Okay, whenever Lisa chops off the head of a snake and, and the snake, the body continues to flail around, that's what's happening. Satan is still flailing around, doing damage, but he's a defeated foe. So we're going to see that. So here's what he does. He assaults us through three ways. We're going to see them in the book. I want you to notice them. Number one, he assaults us through persecution. That's called the beast. Anytime you say the beast, Revelation, it's assault through persecution. Second way, he is, he is assaulting us through false teaching. It's working. You ought to go to the internet and find out how much False is out there that's being taught about the Bible that's wrong. And it was happening in the early church. So the second one was the false teaching. That's called in Revelation the prophet. Anytime you see the prophet mentioned, it's false teaching. And the third way. So so persecution number one, false teaching number two. And listen to the third one. Number three, cultural approval. Now that hits close to home, doesn't it? Culture telling you what you're supposed to believe. And if you don't, you're canceled. Well, that's hitting a little closer to home. And that's called the prostitute. So anytime in, the, in Revelation, you see a reference to the prostitute, the great prostitute, that's the cultural influence, the a cultural approval. So let me, let me recap those. Three ways that as the snake is flailing around, three ways he's trying to inflict damage before he's bound for hell. Persecution, the beast. False teaching, the prophet. Cultural influence, the prostitute or some translations say the harlot. So Revelation really does reveal to us what's going on in the world. Now, that's the introduction. Tonight, what I want to do is, I, I want us, we're, only, we're only going to look at three verses in chapter one tonight. In general, here's what I want to do. Every Wednesday night, I want us to cover one chapter. One chapter a week is going to be our, 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 our game plan. But tonight's a little different. Tonight, I need to give you the background of the book and show you how to interpret Revelation. So tonight is going to be critical for the rest of our study. If if we don't cover this background tonight, you're not going to understand Revelation. I'll be honest, you're not going to understand it without this background I'm about to give you. And you're going to misinterpret it. You're going to think it's saying something it's not saying. So a lot of people do that. There are internet sites out there all over the place about Revelation. Many of them are misguided. Many of them are misinterpreted. Many of them don't know what they're talking about. They don't understand the background I'm about to give you. So tonight I want you to stay with me because it's going to make a lot more sense in the coming weeks if we start diving into the book now after having studied the background. So here we go. I want to give you the background. This is going to make the book make a lot more sense. Letter B characteristics of the book. First of all, uh, number one, there is a long series of complex visions in this book. A lot of complex visions. More than 60 visions. 60. Think about that. John saw into heaven and he saw visions, more than 60 of them. And what makes them difficult to understand is the visions all blend in and overlap and go back and start over and pick up and expand on one another. And then they give you an overall view of some of the colossal events that are going to happen. And so all of these visions get get confusing. And so I'm going to try to keep them sorted out for you. I said I'm going to try to keep them sorted out for you. That's my goal. So, first of all, a long series of complex visions. Second, there are many references in Revelation to the Old Testament. The Old Testament. I'm going to stop as we go through here and I'm going to show them to you. More than 350 references in Revelation to the Old Testament. A lot of people don't realize there's a connection between the Old Testament and Revelation. There's a strong connection. More than 350 times the Old Testament is referred to. In fact, there are 404 verses in Revelation. 278 of the 404 are references to the Old Testament. That's 70% of the book. It's referring back to the Old Testament. So, let me give you an example. Revelation 12 talks about a woman with 12 stars on her head. Well, that kind of seems random. It's not random at all. If you read Joseph's dream in Genesis 37, he describes a woman with 12 stars and tells you who the stars are. They're the tribes of Israel. So the Old Testament will interpret a lot of the revelation for you if you refer to it. And I'll do that as we go along to help you understand it. So there's a lot of Old Testament in the book of Revelation. Number three. There are other books referred to in Revelation as well. You say, what books? Well, the original readers of the very first Revelation, when they they received it, seven churches received Revelation. As they're reading, reading it, they would have known what those books are and they'd been very familiar to them. Now we don't know what the books are and so they're unfamiliar to us. So we're reading along, we're going, that doesn't make sense. But the readers, the original readers of the Revelation, makes perfect sense to them. Let me give you an example. If I were to tell you it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Ah, okay, Charles Dickens, A tale of two cities. Well, you would know that, right? If somebody 2,000 years later read that I made that statement in church tonight, they would go, what on earth does he mean? You'd know, but they wouldn't. That's Revelation. There were a lot of books circulating that weren't in the Bible that they were very familiar with. That is referenced. They are referenced in Revelation and they knew exactly what they meant and we don't. So, that's just a warning. There are some things you're going, I don't know what that means. Well, it's because we didn't know what the books that they were referring to. That's in there as well. Another thing, another characteristic, the original readers were familiar with this type of writing. They were familiar with apocalyptic literature. Uh, The type of literature that they were familiar with was in code. Revelation is in code. What do I mean by that? what I mean by that is let's say for example you're in the early church and you're being persecuted by the Roman government and you want to get a a message to another Christian but you don't want the Roman government to see what you're writing so y'all come up with a code revelation is a code so whenever it says the beast is rising out of the ocean do not bow down to the image of the beast a government official intercepts that and goes it makes no sense. They're out of their minds. They throw it away. But if another believer got it the beast is code for the Roman Empire and the image is the worshiping the image is code for not worshiping the Roman Emperor. And so it was code they understood but the Roman government as they intercepted it would not understand it. So some of Revelation is in code that they would understand and I'll mention that as we go along. Last note on the characteristic is this. Do not become too enamored with the symbolism in the book. Let me say that again. Do not become too enamored with the symbolism in the book. I don't know how many people out there today are so enamored. Oh wait a minute that's got to be China. Oh and that's Donald Trump. I know it is. Oh, that's the, those are the Democrats right there. Oh, wait, wait a minute. That, that's, the, that's the coronavirus. That's what it's talking about. No, no, you're missing revelation if you do that. Now, there, are there references to some events going on? Yeah, I'll point those out as we go along. But don't try to become enamored with the symbolism that's there and try to make it more than it is. All right, go letter C on your outline, the author. Author was John, the apostle of Jesus. He wrote the Gospel of John. We just covered that Wednesday night. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation. So he, John has authored five books of the Bible. How old was John when he received the Revelation? Probably mid-80s. So he's no spring chicken. He is, uh, he is in his mid-80s. He was exiled to the island of Patmos. Patmos is 40 miles southwest of Ephesus in Turkey there, in the Aegean Sea. And so he was preaching the gospel. The emperor did not like what he had to say, so they banished him. Some say to die out on the island of Patmos. He didn't die, he made it back, by the way, to Ephesus. Banished him to Patmos, out there by himself. He's worshiping by himself on Sunday morning when God pulled back the veil of heaven and allowed him to peek in to see what's going on and he wanted him to write down what he saw. And that is our book of Revelation. Now, let me say this right quick. It is Revelation singular, not Revelations plural. Don't ever say Revelations. It's one Revelation. It's the Revelation of John, period. It's the Revelation. So, don't say Revelations. It is singular, the Revelation of John. Now I'll go to letter D on your outline. The recipients. Who did he write it to? Church. Seven churches of Asia Minor. We're going to talk about those probably week after next. Churches in today that are known as Western Turkey. The ruins, by the way, of all seven churches are still there. If you want to take a tour of those, you can. Uh, you can tour the seven churches of Asia Minor. And uh, but he's writing to these seven churches, and they were facing two main problems persecution from the Roman government and false teaching. So we're going to see all the way through here references to the Roman Empire persecuting them and false teaching that's coming into the church. You hear phrases like the synagogue of Satan is among you. That's false teaching. The, the throne of Satan is in your midst. That's false teaching. Uh, God hates the, the practices of the Nicolaitans. That's false teaching. And so so persecution and false teaching Two of the problems all seven churches were facing. And so John is addressing that in the writings. Now let me go to this letter E on your outline. The Roman Empire. Stay with me for a minute through this. Because it's going to make the book make a lot more sense. You cannot understand Revelation without understanding the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was in control of Israel. Israel during the time, biblical times. So they are under the control of the Roman Empire. So let's understand the Roman Empire a little bit because you can't understand Revelation without it. Before Christ, um, the Roman Empire saw itself as a manifestation of God. They really felt like that the empire was God's gift to the world. You've heard people say that. Well, they thought that. They thought the Roman Empire is God being good to you. And they saw themselves as objects of worship. And so they're developed, just before Jesus was born, they're developed the worship of the Roman Empire as a goddess. It was called Dia Roma. The goddess of the Roman Empire and you should bow down to it and thank God that he's given you the Roman Empire. That's how they obviously saw themselves. And so it was called the Roman Imperial Cult. Now they didn't worship the emperor, the main guy that's leading the empire, but they worshiped the empire itself. This is all before Christ. So the Roman Empire highly exalted, and a lot of people worshiped. It. As they would conquer peoples and they brought them into their kingdom, they would expect those peoples to fall down and bow and worship the Roman Empire. Dia Roma, the goddess of the Roman Empire. Number one, long comes Julius Caesar. 100 to uh, to44 BC. Julius Caesar is the Roman emperor. Now he claims to have ties to God himself. So you see the transition that's coming. No longer do you worship the empire. Now he's saying you need to worship the emperor of the empire. Because I have ties to the gods themselves. And Roman citizens if you want to worship me along with the Roman empire. You're welcome to do it. He didn't demand it, but he suggested it. So starting with Julius Caesar, people started worshiping not just the empire, but the emperor just before Jesus was born. So the phrase, Hail Caesar! They're now worshiping Caesar. So in Jesus' day, whenever there would be Hail Caesar or something like that, it was a reference to now worshiping Julius Caesar. After other succeeding Roman emperors, the next one, Augustus, uh, you'll see on your screen there, 14 AD, he continued to allow the worship of Julius Caesar, but he didn't want to be worshipped himself. He says, I'm not a god. Julius Caesar was, but I'm not. No need to worship me, but I will allow you to continue to worship Julius Caesar. And so he did that. Go a little bit later, number three, Tiberius came along, 14 to 37 AD. So, when did Jesus die? 30 AD. So, it had been Tiberius during the reign of Jesus. Tiberius did the same. You can worship Caesar from years past, but don't worship me. I'm not a god. So, he continued the same policy. Then you go to the next one, Caligula, the next Roman emperor, 37 to 41 AD. Now, he starts insisting on divine favors is what he calls it now he's saying not just Caesar was should be worshipped you can worship me as well if you want but he took it one step further he went to the Jews and said Holy of Holies in the temple that's where you that's where you worship your God you need to put my image up next to him in the Holy of Holies (laughs) oh boy and the Jews rebelled at that and said no way Caligula back down okay 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 but those of you who want to worship me as God can do so we go next to Claudius 41 to 54 AD he was embarrassed a little bit by Caligula just a little bit so he reversed the policies and said that you can worship Caesar but don't worship me I'm not a God then we go to the next one Nero 54 to 68 AD, this was about the time the book of Acts was written. Nero did not consider himself to be a god. He did not demand the citizens to worship him. Worship Caesar, it's fine, he said. But Nero started to hate with a passion Christianity. And now for the first time, Christians are being persecuted large scale. This is when the apostle Paul was beheaded was during Nero. Go to the next two, Vespasian and Titus, 69 to 81 AD. They had the same policy of Nero. Don't worship me as a god, but we will accept your worship of Caesar. Not demanded, but if you want. Now let's go to the last one. And it all changes with Domitian. He was nuts. Domitian had mental issues. Seriously, historians say, He had mental problems. Domitian was written during the time of Revelation. Domitian had a God complex. Not only did he say you can worship Caesar. He says you must worship me. And it's not optional. I'm demanding it. Because I am God. And if you do not worship me as God. I'm considering you to be an atheist. So he called Jews atheists, and he called Christians atheists. He erected monuments of himself and had people worship and bow down to the monuments to Domitian. When he and his wife would arrive at the theater, he demanded everyone stand in the theater and all go, all hail our Lord, all hail our Lord and his lady. Whenever there was a government correspondence, he would demand them to say, our Lord and God Domitian. Whenever you spoke to him personally, you had to address him, my Lord Domitian, my God Domitian, and then you could carry on. He thought he was God. Well, Christians had a big problem with that. So what do you do? Whereas worshiping Caesar was optional, you didn't do it. But now worshiping Domitian is demanded. What do you do? Well, some believers bowed. And worshiped and asked God to forgive them. And other Christians in these seven churches of Asia Minor, they did not. We are not going to worship The emperor or his image. And so as a result, he had them arrested and persecuted and beheaded. So these seven churches that received the book of Revelation had many members who had been beheaded. So at the height of Domitian worship, Revelation is written. So there was a code for Christians to communicate messages without Domitian and Roman officials knowing what you're saying. The beast, that was the Roman Empire. The beast is rising out of the sea. Do not worship the image of the beast. Don't bow down to Domitian. And so whenever you start to understand the day in which they were living, this book makes a lot more sense. And you can apply it to the days in which we're living. That's what we're going to be doing. Now let me give you a few reminders. Then we'll read verses. The first three verses. And we'll close for tonight. Letter F on your outline. Uh, four reminders. Number one. Revelation was written to the church members. Of seven churches in Asia Minor. First. It was not written to us First. It was written to them first. Nowhere in this book will you see written to the First Baptist Church of Garland. It's not in there. It was not written to us first. It was written to them first. It applies to us. It wasn't written to us. And that's significant because before you can figure out what it means for us you have to figure out what it meant to them. Then you can apply what it means for us. So as we go through here, every chapter, every week, we're going to look. What would this have meant to them first? Now let's apply it to what it means to us in 2022. It wasn't written to us first. Some people read Revelation like, oh, this is written to, this is written to America in 2022. No, it wasn't. It applies to America in 2022. It's written to them. So figure out first, what did it mean to them? Number two, revelation is not a crystal ball for date setting. and Private information. If you were hoping throughout the course of this that I would be able to tell you the day and the hour Jesus is coming back, I hate to disappoint you, I don't have that information. And if anybody tells you they do, don't believe them. They don't. Not even the Son of Man, Jesus said, knew. So I have a real problem with date setting. When somebody says, I know the date, it's kind of, I say, 1948 happened, okay, so all these years. Be careful, because if the Son of Man didn't even know, I don't think humans know. So this is not a book for date setting. Number three, do not spiritualize the passages, interpret them. Some people look and say, oh, the lion, oh, that's England. And and the eagle, oh, eagle, that's America, that's our symbol. So the eagle, okay, the eagle in there, that's America. And the bear, that's Russia, that's their symbol. So the bear, bear's mentioned, that's Russia. And then an elephant, oh, it's Republicans. You know, elephants, that's Republicans. Democrat, okay, that's the Democrats, all right. The beast, okay, that's the Pope. Where does it tell you that's the Pope? You spiritualized it. Oh, the beast, oh, that's Obama. Yeah, that's Obama. Or that's Trump. It doesn't say that. You're spiritualizing it. Oh, the Antichrist, that was John F. Kennedy. If you look at John Fitzgerald Kennedy, it adds up to 666. I've heard that my whole life. John F. Kennedy, was he was the Antichrist. Ronald Reagan, he's Antichrist. Ronald Wayne Reagan, 666. Charles Manson, he's Antichrist. I've heard all these. The Pope, he's Antichrist. Trump's Antichrist. I've heard all these. You're spiritualizing it. Don't spiritualize the passages. Interpret the passages. What did they mean to them? So we can know what it means for us. Then you can say, aha, that looks like a pattern I see developing in our country. Then you can interpret it. And you're you're more accurate with what the word means. Now, number four, exegesis, not eisegesis. What do I mean by that? The word exegesis means to draw out. The word eisegesis means to read into something. Draw out something or read into something. So as you're reading Revelation, exegete, draw out what's there. Don't read into what you think is there or you hope is there or you conjectures there. So eisegesis will not give you an interpretation of Revelation. Exegesis will. So what we're going to do over the course of these weeks We're going to exegete revelation. We're going to understand what it meant to the hearers so we can know what it means to us today. And we're going to see patterns develop in our world that you're going to be familiar with, that you're going to go, you know, revelation does relate to our day. And I see it. That's what you're going to be able to do over the course of the next few weeks. Now, final word. If you find somebody who has everything all figured out in Revelation, run from them. <laughs> That's what Danny Aiken said, the seminary president. And there are people out there, they have this book all figured out. Oh, this means this and this means this and this means this. If you find people like that, beware. Nobody's got it all figured out. Final word from from William Newell, New Testament scholar. Listen to what he said. Quote, if you become preoccupied in Revelation with all the sevens, or the 144,000, or the 666, or the Antichrist, or the Millennium, or the wild beasts, you're going to miss Jesus. You're going to miss the Jesus of Revelation. If you get too occupied with all the numbers and all the symbols and all the beasts, you'll miss Jesus. So what we're going to do is we're going to interpret all those. We're going to look at some theories of what may be and what may not be in our world. Throw some things around. But we're not going to miss Jesus. Now, first three verses, we'll close quickly. Chapter 1 verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, his introduction starting next week verse 4, we're going to jump into it, keep going. Verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, I had um, uh, on one of my classes that I taught, um, who wrote, who wrote Revelation? Of course the answer was John and um, one of my students says, no, it didn't, it was Jesus. Jesus wrote Revelation because it says verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, no, Jesus gave the revelation to an angel who gave it to John who wrote it. So John wrote the revelation is from Jesus Christ. So what we're going to study is a revelation from Jesus Christ. But he gave it through an angel to John. Which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel. 67 times word angels mentioned in this book. Sending his angel to his servant John. So there it is. Jesus gave it to an angel to give to John who wrote it, who gave it to us. Now, one quick note in, in verse one notice that it says the things that must soon take place. It's been 2,000 years, they haven't happened. Is the Bible wrong? No. Look on your screen there. The word soon is the word antakai, it means quickly or suddenly. So what he's saying is, once these events start taking place, they'll happen quickly. They'll happen suddenly. He wasn't talking about soon after John wrote. He is saying, when these events start unfolding, they're going to happen fast and quickly. Verse 2, who bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ even to all that he saw. 44 times in the book of Revelation, we're gonna see the phrase, John's gonna say, I saw, he saw something. This is nothing he heard, he saw it with his eyes. And he writes down what he saw when God pulled back the veil and allowed him to peek in and look. Now, look at the last verse, we'll look at verse three, we'll close. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. You may say well near is not well one day is as a thousand years a thousand years is one day to the Lord. It's still near to the Lord. And so I want you to notice that what it says in verse 3 is there's a particular and a unique blessing to everybody who reads this book and and studies it. No other book in the Bible does it say, you are blessed if you read this. Now you are, but it doesn't say that. Revelation is the only book in the Bible of all 66 that tells us if you read this book, you're going to be blessed. So folks, stay with us for the next several weeks. Stay with us, finish this book with us, and you will receive a special and unique blessing for having read it. Now here's what I find interesting about that statement. He did not say, blessed is the one who understands this book. Thankfully, because we won't totally understand it. He says, blessed is the one who reads this book. And notice whenever he says one who reads, it's in the singular. You'll see that on, on the screen there. And those who hear, it's in the plural. So what he's saying is, if you are alone in your room and you read this book by yourself, you're going to be blessed. Or if you're with a group plural, studying it, you're going to be blessed. Either way, read it by yourself, study with the group, you're going to be Blessed. So, over the course of these next several weeks, I will do my best to bring understanding to you from this book. Revelation tells us a lot about what's going on in our world around us. We're going to see it. We're going to understand it. It's going to become clear. And so, I'm glad you're along with us for the journey. Any quick questions? We have just about 30 seconds. Anybody want to quickly come to our microphone, ask a question, or make a comment? Not at all. All right. Good to have you tonight. Next Wednesday night, 615. We're going to pick up chapter one, verse four, and we're going to pick up the pace. We're going to get going into what actually John saw in heaven. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this book. It's a special book. It's a powerful book. And Lord, I just pray that over the course of these next weeks, as we're looking Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday, chapter after chapter after chapter of what you've said in this book, God, give us understanding of what it meant to those seven churches. Give us understanding of what it means for us today. God, give us clarity of the culture around us, the the world around us, not just in the United States, but worldwide. And God, see the things that are happening in our world as we see them very clearly in Revelation. So Father, open up our eyes, illumine us, and teach us from the pages of this book in the weeks to come. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you.